Hello and welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things relating to your well-being, including interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, mental health, physical health, and my five-minute food fact series. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host, a nutritionist with a passion for well-being. Before I introduce today's guests, I will take a moment to let you know that you can subscribe to my podcast on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button, or on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I will also mention that although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided on Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure, or prevent injuries or medical conditions, and is not a substitute for advice from your own health professionals. Today, I am here with Helen Hyde. Helen is a personal trainer who runs her own business, Helen Hyde Fitness, but she's not always been a personal trainer. She used to work in the corporate world. Apart from discussing Helen's personal training business and the benefits of movement and how that can contribute to your well-being, another thing I'm really interested to delve into today is women and their decisions to change career because nearly all the women I've interviewed, bar one I think, have changed and it's often been a change from the corporate world into something that aligns more with their passions. So Helen and I will have a chat about that. Hi Helen, welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast. Thank you Amanda, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So as I mentioned in the introduction, I'd really like to focus on two things today personal training and the benefit of movement and also women and career change and we'll have a chat about Helen's career and what she's done and how she's arrived at where she is today. So first of all can you tell us a bit about your transition from the corporate world to becoming a personal trainer? Certainly Amanda, well if I look back um, sort of throughout my professional career and the career that I'm in now I perhaps never thought that that transition might have actually been where I thought I was going to end up so um, I have been in uh, corporate HR for the last I was in corporate HR for the last 13 years um, and that a long time and um, I started uh, once I left school not really knowing what I wanted to do Mm mm-hmm I was going to do nursing. That's where I really thought I was going to oh. end up. Did you start nursing at all or I, never went I didn't, down that road? No, um, I didn't start nursing. And um, I decided that I was going to have the gap year and my mum was very adamant or my parents were very adamant that if you're going to have a year off, you need to work. Mm-hmm. So we were fortunate enough where um, we knew somebody uh, at AMP and I was able to get an interview and started in a role there. Ironically, that role was in staff training, which is probably like a current training and development in uh, in an HR function. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had five years at um, at AMP, and during that time, I met a guy who uh, he and I then went to London together, and uh, we had three years in London. And I was doing corporate events, organizing, reception work. Um, Selling perfumes in Harrods, oh, picking how up exciting. work. Um, <laughs> where I was that spray girl, where you would walk in and I'd say, "Excuse me, sir, would you like to try this fragrance?" So those were the days where you could just arrive in a different country. Yeah. You didn't need a visa. Um, we were there about the experience, and we had 
we had three years in London and I knew very much while we were there that I wanted to come back and get into HR. Right. So we uh, came back to uh, Sydney. So we went Adelaide, Sydney, and I started um, picking up contract work in HR, picked up a contract work with Westpac, and that was in multimedia training and development. Mm -hmm. So a little... Not just like your studio here, Amanda, I was doing a few little voiceovers for a multimedia training centre, which was an additional training support for various parts of the, the business. And then I finished up picking up a permanent role with Mercer HR Consulting and started at a very low level HR role. Um, and I then had to go back to uni and study because I had no qualifications. All oh, right. So what did you study? So I studied a Bachelor of HR Management at UTS mm-hmm. um, and I studied part-time and worked full-time wow that would have been hard and it was hard and Justin would pick me up um various nights after work at nine o'clock I'd study all weekends however the great thing was that with that was um at that time my husband came home from work and said that he'd been offered an opportunity to uh head to Chicago and uh that we should look at going and he was in investment banking at the time So we made that decision to go. Mm -hmm. And fortunately for me, Mercer's head office was in New York, offices all throughout the US. So I was able to pick up an HR generalist role in Chicago. So had you finished your study at that time? Yes, I had. Perfect timing. Just. Yeah, excellent. Um, So I was sponsored through work to get a visa, which is very difficult to get a work visa in the US and to work. And I moved into a generalist um, HR role uh, in Chicago. And we went from there. Wow. Well, that's interesting. Th- things seem to um, go to plan for you a bit, didn't a they? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, we only had a couple of years in Chicago and then um, uh, we were then moved to New York with Justin's work. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time I was six months pregnant with twins. Yes. Wow. Um, 9-11 had happened mm. while we were in Chicago. Uh, so that really did change the way we felt about being in the US. Yeah, I bet. And um, and we had another three and a half years in the States, so a total of six altogether. And um, Justin said there's been an opportunity to move from New York to Hong Kong. So, mm. Amanda, this is where we have a lot of yes, common... Yes, we do. We didn't actually know each other in Hong Kong, but no. um, we've got a lot of common connections, yes. it turns out. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, um, and that sort of left me closing the loop in my corporate career Mm. and I was happy to do so. I probably could have explored the opportunity of staying in HR but I had two three-year-olds. I was was tempted with you know the fact that we might have some live-in help. Yes. You know, it was just sort of mentioned very casually that it might be a rite of passage when you move to Asia. Yeah and I think the thing about that too is that you don't have any family when you're in Asia so it is really nice to have a little bit of support or a lot of support, I should say. Definitely, so, yeah. definitely. And then, um, and really once you get to Hong Kong and you've got extra time and resources, um, it then opened up an opportunity of perhaps what I would like to do mm. next. And 
you fall into these great expat communities yeah. where, you know, your husband is often away. So there's lots of other mums around like you that have got extra time on their hands now because you've got somebody doing the behind the scenes yeah. things at home, which allows you to get out to to walk, to exercise, to reinvest time in yourself. And so was it in Hong Kong that you decided to change careers or um, how did that come about? Uh, I think where that probably that probably planted the seed. Um, it was the first time where um, I'd really sort of got back into the gym. I'd been in and out of the gym a little bit when we were in the US and I had a, I had a personal trainer. I had some core issues post-pregnancy. Oh, not surprised <laughs> having two in there. Yeah. yeah. And um you know, the great thing was is that that then allowed me to start thinking about what I'd like to do. F- fitness or exercise is just something that I've always loved. Like yep. I loved cross country at school. Not built like a natural runner, um, but I I quite like the physical challenge. I like mm. the thought like, yeah, I've got to get up that hill. So we started doing things like the steps behind, a thousand steps behind um, the Hong Kong American School. Yeah, and they're really hard. And they are, and they're, and they're up. Yes. <laughs> they only go up. Um, and uh, so we do challenges like that. Um, a mum that I met through a swimming class with our kids said she was running a half marathon. I'm like, oh, I could never run that distance, like never. Mm, never say and never, Helen. Never say never, hey. And, um, and so, and I was like, yeah, sure you could. You could definitely do it. You know, we could train together. And I'm like, okay. And before we know it, you know, had enrolled, started training, unfortunately didn't run the Macau Half Marathon. Oh, did you get injured or something? I broke my little toe two oh. days before the oh, race. That's so unfortunate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Wasn't meant to be. But then we had um, two years in, in Hong Kong, and which was about two and a half years in Hong Kong, which was really good fun. And then we were very quickly moved to Singapore. Mm-hmm. And um, Singapore was our our longest sort of period of time that we had been in a very long time. And that then, I think, because that then was like, you know, okay, starting again. Yeah, it's hard work. You know, it is hard work. Mm. It It's not, you know, moving countries. This time the kids had to be in schooling. Yeah. We had a house. Justin was away. Um, so it does – you do need to keep busy. Yes. As you know. Yeah. You definitely need to keep busy. Yeah. And that's where – I met like mums who were either walking or running the McRitchie Trail or training outside. And I knew that I, you know, I, I respond very well to being outside. Yep. That I thought, um, you know, perhaps I'll do something. And a girlfriend of mine was doing her Cert 3 in fitness. And she said to me, look, Helen, look, you do this running and you're always active. Just even out of curiosity, why don't you perhaps study it? So, wow. um, so where did you study that? So, well, I had to go back, obviously, to – I elected not to study in Singapore. So you could have done a certification in Singapore. Yeah. However, that certification held no credit back here in Australia. Oh, right. So it would be a little bit of a, in quotes, waste of time. Correct, mm. yeah. So um, I actually decided to do my Cert 3 um, through um, – Australian Fitness Network, and that was via correspondence. 
I am not the best correspondence student. <laughs> I need to be in the classroom. You need someone there saying, come on, Helen. <laughs> it's not so much that, it's the questions. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a visual person as well, so I need to see things right. not just in just black read and white. It. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, technology's come a long way from perhaps just a textbook where we can have things online, mm. but a lot of the fitness industry wasn't geared up that way initially. So I uh, went back and did my Cert 3, and that was interesting. Uh, probably took me, I don't know, probably eight, eight months, nine right. months mm-hmm. to do it. Um, but that then didn't allow me to work in Singapore. Um, and then what I really needed to do was to go back and do my Cert 4. And the thing about Cert 4, it's definitely a higher level of qualification, and it allows you to be able to, you know, sort of deepen your knowledge of the fitness industry and um, uh, and then sort of administer, you know, uh, competently some one-on-one training. Yes, and you can't do that with the Cert 3, is that not right? Re- no, correct. Well, you're not supposed yes, to. Yes, you're not supposed to. Yeah. So, And that's sort of where I really wanted to be. And then sort of before I knew it, I, I set up a business. Um, it was word of mouth. Where was that? Was that in Singapore? In Singapore? Yeah. Mm. So it was sort of doing about 22 training sessions a week. Oh, that's a lot. It is a lot. One of the biggest challenges with Singapore is the heat. Yeah, I know. Constant. It's always hot, isn't it? It is always. 32 degrees mm. and possible chance of rain. Yeah. <laughs> so did you train outside then in Singapore? Yes. So yeah. I am definitely, um, pre- my preference is to always train outside. I'm definitely outdoors. Um, and um, so I would drive to people's condos and train them outside in their their gardens. Some mm-hmm. condos had gyms, which some days it would just be too hot and you yeah. just couldn't, or there'd be no shelter. Um, so uh, we would be in gyms. Some people in their own homes had gyms. Okay. Um, so quite a lot of the homes were had dedicated spaces to be do, be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a treat. Yeah, that's nice, in. isn't it? You it's don't a bit really of a luxury. get that here so much. Not so much. I do have a client that has her own gym here, which is amazing wow does um, she use it when you're not there uh yeah she does she's yeah, getting there she's getting there <laughs> she's definitely getting there um so yeah i'm definitely preferred is definitely to be outside and so then um you moved back to australia mm-hmm. is that right Correct. did you come straight back to adelaide or did you go somewhere else yeah first? so no we did come straight back to adelaide so my husband and i um are, are originally from adelaide mm-hmm. um so the boy that i went to london with we married. <laughs> so it's been, what, five countries. Yeah, it's um, amazing. Yeah, five countries, one husband, two kids, and a dog, <laughs> and a cat. Um, and, uh, yes, so we did move back here with uh, the four of us plus our, our furry friend. Yes. And, um, you know, those moves aren't easy. No, they're not easy. I mean, I haven't done as many as you, but um, I think it's it's physically and mentally taxing, isn't it, too? It is. And I think Adelaide was probably the toughest. Yeah, I've heard other people say that, which is interesting, isn't it? Because it's your hometown. But um, because there isn't a big expat community here, it it doesn't function the way Hong Kong or Singapore does. Where people, they kind of welcome you with open arms, don't they? And, Mm. you know, even living in the US, not so much New York, but definitely Chicago, we were somewhat of a novelty because we spoke so, (laughs) so differently. Um, And even at work, you know, 
people would be like, can you repeat that? Or <laughs> can you just say this Aussie slang? And I'm like, I don't really want to. It's but. like the, I don't know if you've seen the recent Uber Eats ad with, oh, <laughs> yes. with Sharon yeah, Streslecki nice. and, <laughs> and Kim Kardashian. It's so funny. <laughs> it's good. It's no. Mm. We were, my husband last night was saying, have you seen this ad? <laughs> yeah, that's no, very good. Very um, good. And so back to your your fitness um, business. So when you came back to Adelaide, did you set up straight away or how did you do that? Um, well, a little bit like what we were sort of talking off air before, I sort of gave myself the first 12 months to sort of get our kids settled. Yes. And we moved back, um, you know, term three, uh, week six, they started on a Friday. Oh, so right. we, so, not so a we, great we gave them as much um, much of a challenge as possible. It was just timing getting out of yeah. Asia and and getting our content sent and getting the dog out of quarantine. It was just yeah. lots of moving parts. Mm. So I sort of gave myself 12 months to sort of feel, get settled, get acclimated. Um, we were renting. We were in the process of building a home. There was just a lot going on. Yeah. And I just wasn't feeling... I was, I was very unsettled because we hadn't lived, we'd been out of Adelaide 23 years. Yeah, it's a long time, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a long mm. time and a lot of things change and a lot of things don't change, Yeah, which has its own issues. And one thing I found as well was you need to make new friends, even though you, you have your lovely old friends, but everyone's moved on yeah. over the 20 years yeah. or so you've been away and have different age children and whatever. So that takes a bit of effort. It does. It It does. Mm. And it's not always easy. Um, But, you know, the one constant for me, I think, is that for me to feel better about something is I have to move. Yeah. And, um, you know, running, even though I said I could never run a half marathon. You've done more than that. I have done a little bit more than that. being, you know, just sort of able to get out the door quickly, you know, loop around the block for 6Ks or something like that um, was, would just give me a bit of structure, mm. would open up my headspace um, and give me a bit of a coping mechanism. And I respond a lot better to challenges when I've got that in my life. Yeah, I'm the same. So then how did you, once you were ready mentally, how did you go about setting up Helen Hyde Fitness? So that was like, I sort of, you know, I don't know where to start and I don't know whether, you know, anyone's interested in this and an older, you know, an older trainer, um, female, I'm not, I don't want to be in a gym. And, um, you know, a friend of mine just said, Helen, build it and they will come. Yeah. Build it and they will come. And it's happened, hasn't and it? And it has happened, yeah. And, um, and I'm extremely fortunate to have a really lovely group of clients um, who are all women and that's what where my, my focus mm-hmm. is. Um, I, uh, I get how things don't work post-pregnancy. Yeah. Having had children, uh, the changes in life, um, stresses that we have. Yeah. So I started training some uh, group training sessions down at Unley Oval um, three days a week, uh, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Friday morning after school drop-off. I just invited people to come along, spread the word, mm. and that's how it went from there. Wow. And um, it was just sort of people in different pockets. Yeah. Um, I'm not great on social media and, and Facebook. It's not really – I don't hunt for clients. No, but it sounds like you haven't needed to. No. And I sort of feel like when people come into your life like that, it's a very organic yeah. process. It's the right – they're in the right headspace and um, – 
And look, you know, sometimes I'm not always the best fit for somebody if they're after something particular that I don't offer, but that's about perhaps finding them an opportunity or a a trainer that is a better, better, a better suit for them. So, um, yes, I do the three group training sessions a week. And then outside of that, um, I do one-on-one trainings with client, which is a lot more specific if yes. they've got a particular goal. And what about if they have an injury? Is that something you help manage? Yeah, look, you know, there's definitely times where we have to work with allied professionals. Yeah. So whether it be a physiotherapist or um, or, an, or another specialist, mm. um, you know, people do get injured. Um, not on my watch, I would hope not, <laughs> but stuff does happen or mm. a tweak. So it's about perhaps, you know, making sure we move into anything that I've identified and someone's spoken about or depending on what type of training sure. it is, but if it's a one-on-one, we would have gathered that information yeah. through, you know, a lifestyle questionnaire. But if it's group training, someone might say, gardened all weekend, pulled a muscle in yeah. my back. Yep, okay, let's take that in consideration. So let's, you might say to that particular one, everyone else do a burpee, but you do yeah, something else. Yeah, a modification or, to yeah. it, uh, definitely. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat and um, and we just need to think about, you know, these things and, and how we modify them because not everybody has... You know, fitness levels vary. Yeah, of course they do, and especially within a group. I'm sure you have Absolutely. to manage the different yeah, levels. Absolutely, mm. definitely. And make sure everyone gets, I guess, what they're looking for out of it. Yeah. So how do you then prepare for a group class if you know you're taking one? Do you prepare beforehand or are you at the point now where you can just do it off the top of um, your head? There's a little bit of that, especially if they uh, – so, well – Generally, I like to prepare. I like mm-hmm. to uh, write my programs once a week. I try mm-hmm. to do that on a Monday. Um, I try to do it in the mornings because I'm always a little bit spent by the end of the day, um, yeah. or certainly in the evenings. So if I and and if I've been training uh, during the day, so as a best practice, I normally text everybody the night before group training. Only oval nine mm-hmm. o'clock tomorrow. Bring your mats. If it's hot, we'll be here. Right. Okay. So we've identified the location, and we have had times, Amanda. I think a couple of weeks ago we had you were away. Oh, the. 40 degrees <laughs> well and it wouldn't have been anybody in their right mind unless you were gone at 6 a.m yeah um and i train most of the most of the mums are after drop off yeah which is the perfect time yeah. really is yeah it? get it mm. done be home by 10 10 15 yeah. and then start your day so um and there's definitely project there's definitely program writing so it might be that particular day that we're doing uh functional fitness Mm -hmm. so all body movements um we might be doing um a series of you know arm work or leg work core work um it could be we're doing uh some interval training Mm -hmm. so i might sketch out something rough yes and depending on who's coming so i will know that you know Three of the girls uh, have great cardio, one doesn't, one has asthma. It's seasonal asthma, so we might have to tailor that a little bit more specifically. So, or they rock up and they've been out the night before, (laughs) which is not unusual for this time of year and everyone's perhaps a little more dehydrated than what they might normally be. So we've just got to make some modifications. But that is about part of my job. Of course it Um, is, yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons people come and see a trainer. Yes, definitely. To have that specific knowledge about. Definitely, definitely. And... Have any of your clients inspired you? Oh, absolutely. Like I think the fact that, you know, I've got clients that are four kids under the age of eight, hold down a part-time job um, in, you know, professional women and, um, and 
roll up to training twice a week. I mean, amazing. That is amazing. Um, you know, I've had clients that have had prepared for the New York Marathon. Well, you know, running a marathon is it's, you just can't pull it out of the bag. No. And uh, as much as you. You definitely can't pull it out of the bag. But, you you know, there are times where you can perhaps roll up to a 5K fun run and that's easier to do. But there's a lot of mental preparation. There's a lot of preparation that goes on behind the scenes, juggling mm. your family and um, making sacrifices. Yeah. Um, so uh, marathon runners um, – special occasions, special birthdays, want to wear the fancy dress, want to feel great. They're all really important factors. Of Um, course they are. And uh, how you feel about yourself, you know, Mm. how you feel about yourself. Um, I've had clients that have been in Singapore as young as 16 that have had um, ADHD and and other issues that were identified through school and school counsellors and, um, and you know, working with them and their family on um, integrating sport and fitness into their lifestyle to help them manage. And has it helped? Definitely. You, yeah. yeah. No, that's yeah. really interesting, isn't it? Um, and food and nutrition is a big part of that, um, as you know. You yes. know, I don't want to do myself out of a job, but what we put in our mouth is probably more important yeah, or equally, or I guess. equally, it's you know, it's really, really important. And so, what are some of the benefits you see in terms of helping people move in the right way? Have you seen any? Uh, or obviously, there are physical benefits. What about some mental health benefits? Have your clients reported feeling better and things like that? Yeah, look, I think that you know, from certainly in the world that we live in today. Um, we know that um, there's absolutely exercise or movement is is definitely healthy, and um, and we know that um, people's ability to be able to cope with stress and anxiety is definitely lessened when we have a physical outlet yeah um so i box with some clients, and I sometimes will get a text message the night before saying. Can we box today? Right. Oh, that's interesting, isn't yeah. it? That must, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite physically demanding boxing, Correct. isn't it? So. Yeah. So, look, you know, definitely enhancing your mood. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a benefit for that. Um, we also know that it gives you a healthier immune system. So I know when I have been training for certain things um, that I – I definitely am a bit more resistant to colds. Yeah. However, the catalyst to that is as if I don't get enough rest. Yeah, it's a balancing act, definitely, isn't it? Yeah, and I sort of touch about, I think we can probably touch on it a bit later, but, you know, if you don't take the right time to rest, your body will choose that time and it won't be convenient. Of course it won't. (laughs) I've learnt the hard way, Amanda. You have, and that's a good segue (laughs) into your marathon. So... Helen ran the Adelaide Marathon, didn't you? Yes. A few months ago now? In May, yeah. In May. So perhaps you can tell us about that, about your training, what you did, how it went. Well, um, yeah, look, you know, running a marathon is one of those things where the first marathon I ran was the Great Ocean Road. Mm -hmm. Um, So you start at uh, Lawn and finish at Apollo Bay. It was a New Year's Eve discussion with some friends from Victoria. <laughs> How hard can it be? Elected to train myself for 20 weeks. Um, you know, it's hard. It is really hard. Uh, it's hard. 
and um, and Great Ocean Road is a lot of hills. Yeah, extra hard. Extra hard, and you sort of finish at the uh, the forty two point two kilometre mark, but then you've got another an, a kilometre and a half to run into Lawn, and by then by then you're done. Yeah, we're well, an ultra done. runner then. Well, no, yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, let, let's not. Yeah, definitely not. But um, I I was quite driven by the my goal, and mm. um, so my first marathon was a four oh five, which was absolutely fine. That's first great. marathon. Great Ocean Road. I was very happy. I was happy with that, but I did want under the four hours. Yeah, you were so close, weren't you? Yeah, and it just wasn't close enough, and I just couldn't. It, it took me three years to do another one, um, but I, I shaved 14 minutes off yeah, of that's that time and um, and just missed out by about 20 seconds qualifying for Boston, <laughs> which is fine because that wasn't the goal. So it was a, a 3.51.16, which I was pretty happy about, and my second half of the – the run was fast. It was a 153. Oh, a negative split. A negative split mm. from a 157. So um, that was fantastic. And the preparation with, with coming with that is definitely a mindset. I, I agree. I think sometimes with those longer races, whether it be a trail run, a marathon or a um, triathlon, a lot of it is the mindset Absolutely. because you've done the physical training. So yeah. you physically know you can do definitely. it. It's just pushing through those moments of doubt and pain and um, I find when I'm out there I'm saying to myself why am I doing this to myself like this is painful (laughs) no one's making me do it um but then when you finish you forget that and you think it's all worth it yeah it's like childbirth right yeah it is we all go back for more (laughs) we do um well you know and interestingly enough you you learn a lot about yourself when you're going you know, when you were the only one that's going to get yourself over the line. So you do realise that um, that in this preparation, you know, I like the fact that I'm accountable for myself. Yeah. I have to get out there and do it. And, you know, my training this time around was um, four runs a week, two cross-training days, one rest day. It, it was a lot. You know, I, I got a little chest infection at about week eight or week nine, mm. which if I look back, I, there was a couple of days where I should have done nothing. Yeah. But I decided that I would be okay. And you try to juggle it all with a family and running a business and then finding the time to run, you know. Yeah. And, and also you're training through the summer. Like, you know, with your, your half Ironman, Amanda, you know, you'll be training, you know, in, in the heat. heat. Mm. So that takes a little bit out of you as well. And, um, you know, you, you have your slow days, your, your slow, easy runs, you have your LSD, your long, slow, distant runs, uh, you have your interval training days. Yeah, they're the um, hard ones in, for me. Yeah, anyway. yeah, well, certainly things like, you know, fartlek training and, and speed play and interval training, they can be hard and, and taxing. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when you come over that line and you're finished and you, you kick your goal, yeah. um, it really does open up possibilities it does no it's it's a wonderful feeling it's a great feeling yeah. isn't it mm. and as you say it is a very personal goal isn't it but to achieve the goal you do, do need um cooperation from your family so it's always good to acknowledge that i think because if you're out on a long run that usually means someone else maybe your husband is dealing with the kids he is, so, yeah cricket uh, yeah <laughs> you know cricket or sport or mm. you know driving the kids around and justin is 
you know, he always say that uh, Helen is my alarm clock because, you know, <laughs> I'd come in at 7.30 and he'd go, oh, how far have you gone? And I'm like, oh, you know, 20Ks or something like that. And he goes, oh, Helen's my alarm clock. You know, I know that's when it's time to get up. <laughs> when you've finished. Yeah, when I've, when I've yeah. you know, when, and it is something quite special when you go out and the sun hasn't come up. Yeah, I know. It's it's. I love that feeling, to be honest. I'm definitely a morning exercise person. So your career change has moved, as I said, from the corporate world into something that you obviously feel passionate about yourself. Why do you think that so many women move in this direction? What are some of the reasons? It's an interesting one because I don't think there's any one reason. Um, We have different exposure to different things throughout our life. Mm. Um, it might, you know, having a family, you become very aware about nutrition and sleep habits and exercise. Um, we have perhaps different stress levels that we had years ago. So people are looking for an out or something more complimentary. Um, I think that perhaps maybe working environments are probably not as flexible as um, as they could be. Yes, perhaps for women, for particularly. Women. Um, now, I was extremely fortunate when I was working in HR in the US that I had a very flexible working environment. Mm, you were lucky. I was really lucky. Not all women have that. They don't, and certainly in the US can be a little bit more challenging. But I was extremely fortunate where um, I worked with an amazing bunch of women that you know family was still regarded as as a priority so my boss would say it's not brain surgery go home it'll be Mm, here tomorrow brilliant um we often don't have the opportunity to leave things in the office so work comes home Mm -hmm. and i think people just get a little bit tired of that so i don't actually know um you know there might also be the fact that there's two very high achievers in the family and you know your children are only you know only once sorry they're only little once and for me when i came out of the US and into Hong Kong it sort of gave me that opportunity to exhale and um, I just it felt right for me Um, it might not always feel right for everybody else Uh, it it is an interesting question do you think because you're doing something now that you you've always had a passion for exercise and now you're working in that area do you think you could say you're you're happier or is that impossible yeah definitely like it's I guess you know with there is the parallel with HR and training it's still goal Mm. setting yeah and dealing with people and people and I think if I look back as why I wanted to do nursing was dealing and helping people yeah and that's what I I do really love I need people some people are very happy to deal with numbers only I am not that person. <laughs> My husband will definitely confirm that. Um, but I, I need people's stimulation. So I do like to listen to people. I do like to hear people's stories. I do like to hear people um, achieve their goals. I think, you know, people want to be happy. Yes. Want to be happy. Um, and, you know, I guess it's one of those things that if you're able to achieve a goal, then it opens up the possibilities of what could I achieve next. Do you think your life is more balanced now? Uh, I'd say yes, in a certain element. I mean, we took a massive um, change moving back to Australia. Yeah, I'm sure you did. So my husband was in investment banking for a very long time and he was done. So that was just a burnout. He needed to reset, recalibrate. And then as a family, it gave us an, an opportunity to be 
together as our family of four together with our families, which we had never lived before. Yeah, we had the same experience. Mm. So that's different. But I would say, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, how you weigh up happiness. You know, we've had a lot of setting up. We both run our own businesses. Yeah. Different set of challenges. That's quite stressful. Yeah. Mm. Built a house, mm. stressful, yeah, stressful, you know, <laughs> <laughs> stressful. Um, you know, you throw in marathon training in there, like, you know, how much more? But I think on balance, yeah. And I think you begin to surround, you, you cultivate that happiness and balance when you, you know, cultivate a tribe or when you um, have people that you're helping inspire yeah. or working towards a common goal. Yeah, I think that uh, all those things really do contribute to well-being on a personal level your own training but also helping and inspiring others definitely the final question that I like to ask all my guests if you could recommend two things that all people could do to improve their well-being what would they be well um I gave this some thought and the first one would be sleep yeah you're not the first person who said that sleep Mm. and um i you know insufficient and poor um sleep quality can have a very wide range of negative impacts um on everything from health to productivity Mm. so you know if you will exercise more efficiently um you'll eat better it has a massive knock-on effect um and so i know my mother um, from a very early age would say that Helen would burn the candle at both ends. Helen still burns the candles <laughs> at both ends. So you're not practicing what you preach? I'm, I'm trying. I find the yeah. more I exercise, the more diligent I am with it because my, my output is much better in the morning. Yep. I don't have as much to give in the evening. And also if I'm training clients, if I've trained myself in the morning and then I'm training clients all morning, come midday, I'm, I'm relatively tired. Yeah. Um, and it also is taxing to a certain extent when you're just making sure that, you know, everybody is performing and reaching their goal. Yeah. And we're looking at performance-related goals It's mentally well. taxing. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, everything from establishing that routine, um, I'm much better because I'm more patient um I try to be a bit more religious with it but I would definitely say sleep Mm -hmm. and sorry Mandy you were saying no I was going to say number two yeah number two would probably be be kind yeah that's a lovely thing um Mm. because uh and I'm not saying about you know definitely be kind to yourself and to others and especially to animals yes especially to animals (laughs) um I love our animals and and, um, and, you know, my husband was very adamant that we needed to have a, a dog for our, our children while we were living overseas. And a part of that was getting our diesel back here to Australia, mm. which repatriating animals is uh, stressful. I've heard, yeah. Expensive. Um, and it can go wrong in, in quarantine and things like that. But, um, you know, I think people would generally readily agree that, um, you know, being kind adds to a quality of life and you know we know that receiving it makes us feel better and we know that giving it you know Mm. has a lot of knock-on effects and um you know we tend to we need to perhaps recognize our own signs about self-respect and kindness like you know when we're tired when we're not when we're not well so for Mm. example when we're not well rest and that rest doesn't mean unpacking the dishwasher and doing the laundry yeah it actually does mean doing nothing because if again if you don't choose that time to recognize that your body will make its decision of when it's when you need that yes 
and which, then it never works. Yeah, which, it's, as you say, might be the week before you're running a marathon yeah, or, or something yeah. like that. And, mm. you know, um, my own marathon was a – I had an, an issue – um, you know, midway through with a respiratory and then I hurt my back the week mm. of the marathon and um, and I really was unsure, Amanda, whether or not I was going to be yeah. able to run it. Um, and um, um, and uh, one of those things was I had, I had no choice but to rest. To rest. So uh, definitely kindness. And, oh, that's uh, gorgeous. I like that. So, Helen, if people want to contact you or um, inquire about your um, fitness training what's the best way to get in touch with you sure um so i don't have a website but i am active on instagram and under helen hyde fitness and uh facebook helen hyde fitness so Great. you can shoot me a message okay through i'll put a link in the in the show notes thank you thank amanda. you helen thank you amanda thank you for having me my pleasure that was the lovely and wise helen hyde of helen hyde fitness you can subscribe to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button and while you're there, click on the bell to be alerted when new episodes are available. You can also subscribe on your favourite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify or Google Podcasts. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Direct links to all social media can be found on the subscribe page of my website at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me a message via the contacts page on my website. Please feel free to suggest topics you'd like to learn more about and people you'd like to hear interviewed, and I'll do my best to deliver that to you. Producing the podcast is a labour of love. We put in a lot of time, money and effort behind the scenes. So if you enjoy Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast and would like to make a contribution via Patreon, PayPal or by Amazon to help ensure we continue to provide you with excellent content, please visit the Contribute page on my website. Finally, please take a minute to leave a rating on iTunes. It improves visibility and will help me source excellent guests. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.